So um, I hope you've enjoyed those three songs. They were very deliberately picked because they are very much around the theme of today's sermon. Um, We've just been praising God and actually we're going to continue to in this uh, talk because we're going to be looking at one of the Psalms. And David obviously wrote these to praise God, to sing to God. Some people think they were poems, some people think they were um, songs with musical accompaniments. Um, we don't actually know this one, whether it's a song or not. It says it's a miktam, but no one really knows what a miktam is, whether it's a poem or a song, we don't know. But it certainly follows the same sort of patterns um, of a song, just like we've been singing. Um, you've got a verse, then you've got a chorus, and then you've got a bridge, then you've got a verse, and then a chorus, and then an ending. So anyone who's musical will actually see that as we go through the psalm. There are things that repeat, there are things that are deliberately say, um, repeated throughout the psalm. And actually... I was always taught um, when I was at Bible college that if anything is ever repeated in the Bible, it probably is something important that you should take note of. So as we go through, I'll pick up on them, um, and then we'll go through this psalm together and um, hopefully learn something new. So a bit of background. If you haven't been here for the last, well, probably three months or so since we've been doing 1 Samuel, um, we've been looking at, more recently, David, King David, um, and the situation he finds himself in for this psalm, um, is actually where Saul, the current king, uh, sorry, I called him King David, he's not yet King David, he's just David. Um, Saul is wanting to kill him. He's married Saul's daughter, and Saul doesn't like David, thinks he's a bit of a young upstart, taking all the credit, and he doesn't like it. He's a very jealous man. Um, And so he sets out to try and kill David. And he knows that David is uh, in the house with Michael, his daughter. And so he sends some of his soldiers to go and kill him. And the psalm we're going to look at is the situation that David finds himself where Michael has lowered him out of the window. He's managed to escape. And he writes these words. I don't imagine that as he's going down the rope from the window, he's there with a pen, pen and paper and a little harp trying to l- write this song. Far from it. I imagine this was many years later. Some people even say this was possibly Solomon who wrote it recounting the story of David. We don't know. But certainly the translation seem to say this is a psalm of David and therefore David wrote it. So if you could just put up the first um, few verses. Hopefully. Here in a second. If not, what's happening? Has it changed on your screen? It might just be taking a while. Give me one second. Technical things. They're rubbish. Um, so hopefully from the first two lines of this you can see the general theme and actually this ties in with the two songs or three songs we've just sung deliver me from my enemies O God be my fortress against those who are attacking me deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood now I was thinking what message can I give today because hopefully no one here has got soldiers who are wanting to kill them and lying in wait for them And actually, I was thinking, well, does it even matter for modern-day Christians, New Testament Christians? Do we still need deliverance? Jesus surely has delivered us. Well, actually, no. We all face difficult times every day, some far harder than others. Um, 
but actually to everyone, we'll always be in situations uh, in our life where we go through peaks and troughs. And during those troughs, during those hard times, we need to call on someone. And as Paul said today, and it was brilliant, that you know we so often try and do it ourselves, but actually, here's the instruction manual. Here's the thing you need to go to every time you need that help. Um, and the God who wrote that book wants to deliver you. He wants to save you. He is our saviour God. Um, Hosanna means the God who saves. It is his, one of his many job descriptions. We've got lots of things here that actually depict what God is. God is just, God is gracious, faithful, mercy, love, kind, holy, eternal, saviour. He saves us. He wants to save us. That's why he sent his son. So deliverance uh, for David meant, help me, I'm being attacked physically right now. And he is calling on God and saying, look, God, help. And you know what? It's absolutely fine for us to call out and say, God, help. He knows what we need, but he actually wants us sometimes to go to him and say, help me. God, help me. Deliver me from this situation that I'm in. Um, I can't do it on my own. It's one of the best prayers you can do is just to admit your own failures and say, I cannot do this on my own and I need help, God. Deliver me. Help me. And so David does this, um, and he says that God is his fortress. And that is the sort of subtitle of this entire psalm, is God is my stronghold. It's the line that's repeated uh, in the kind of bridge and the ending, um, as we'll see when we go further on. But um, that's how we should see God, and so often we don't. So often he's something we think about once a week on a Sunday morning. And I'm just as guilty as anyone on this. Um, but he should be that place, that strong, stronghold, the refuge, the place where we go. Um, and it's a lovely place, so why don't we go there more often? So think on that as we go through. So he then says, um, see how they lie in wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offence or sin of mine, Lord. And I looked at that and thought, David, who are you kidding? You're not sinless. But actually what he's saying is, I know the law. So back, the, back then in the Old Testament, we hadn't had Jesus yet. There was the law that God had given. There were certain laws that if you broke them, actually you did deserve to die. But what David is saying here is actually, these people want to kill me, but I've not done any of these sins that deserve death. I've never done the sins of X, Y, or Z that actually deserve the punishment of death. So why are they after me? You know I've not sinned in that way. Although he has sinned in other ways, because let's face it, he's a teenager at this point. Um, all teenage men sin. I can tell you that for a fact. Um, apart from one. Um, and, you know, he's not saying that he's sinless and that he doesn't deserve any um, bad things to come against him. What he's saying is actually, um, these people are coming against me unjustly. Saul, who should know the law, let's face it, he's king, he's read the law, because you have to when you become king of Israel. Um, is, is trying to send these people for nothing I've done wrong. I have never, ever murdered or um, committed adultery or offended God and put others first and done this sort of stuff. David was pretty good. He wasn't great, but he was pretty good. And he certainly, at this point, hadn't done anything that was worthy of death. So that's David calling out and saying, look, I don't deserve this. And then I thought, can we say the same today? Well, actually... There is no condemnation now we're in the New Testament. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your saviour, there is no condemnation. 
So actually, if people are against you, no matter what you do to mess up, there is no condemnation. So actually, we can say exactly these same words. God, deliver me because I've done nothing wrong in your eyes to deserve this. Jesus has taken that punishment already. Therefore, nothing is currently there that you know deserves this. Can you just skip it on? I have done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. At this point, and at several points during the Psalms, I think David is very um, demanding. He almost wants to tell God what to do. And the more I've thought on this over the last couple of weeks, the more I've thought, you know what? Actually, I don't think that's particularly a bad thing. Telling God what you want him to do, so long as it's in line with his will, there's nothing wrong with that. If you say, God, make me a millionaire, and I don't care whether or not it's uh, in your will or not, it's probably not going to happen. But actually telling God something that is in line with his will anyway, and telling him that you understand that and that you want it to happen, you know, we, we pray for Auntie Wendy because we want that situation to come good. There's no point in going, God, you know the situation, thanks, bye. You should pray specific prayers to God for help. God knows it all already. He knows what's in our hearts, but there's no harm. In fact, there's good in saying to God, this is what I want. This is my desired outcome. Please help in this situation. And if it is your will, then it will be done. God's great at answering prayer. Um, so don't, don't stop doing it. And David is certainly one of those that, that leads the way in how to pray. So then um, we get into the second part of kind of the verse. Um, you, Lord God Almighty, you who are the God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. Uh, when has this gone from a group of soldiers to all nations? Suddenly David has turned his mind from a few people out to kill him to all the nations. Um, And this is why some people think actually it's Solomon and other people when they're trying to divide the kingdom. Um, I don't think that's true. I think David has just realized that God is bigger than just a few people that are doing wrong. And he wants his attention turned to all nations that are doing wrong. David is a holy man. He knows that he should stay holy for God. And actually, he says, you know, what's more, God, you're bigger than just these few men out to attack me. Do this for your glory, that all nations would see this. You know, let's not pray tiny little prayers because we think they're more likely to be answered. Let's go big. Let's pray for all nations. Yeah, okay, he's saying punish all nations, and maybe we shouldn't necessarily pray for that this morning. But... Actually, it's about our scale and our, our understanding of how big God is. God is not a man who will... Uh, he's not a man, but he was. Um, but he's not a God who will just say, okay, you've prayed for this little thing, and that's exactly all I'll concentrate on. God works on a scale we cannot imagine. Let's not forget that when we pray. Let's think, okay, maybe we should be spreading the net slightly wider here. Um, and, and that humbles me every time that we pray big as a church and he gives and he gives bigger and better than we could possibly have imagined it's like oh maybe we're still not praying big enough let's go bigger again um and it is fantastic and i think this upping of scale of david just made me think wow maybe every day i pray a little bit too small maybe i should be focusing on 
God scale as opposed to Matt scale. And it's a, it's quite a humbling thing. Um, and, and yeah, okay, he says stuff like, rouse yourself to punish all the nations, show no mercy. And actually, we know that God is mercy. So it kind of sounds contradictory, but actually what he's saying is, show no mercy to sin, to wicked and evil people. Um, and we know that God deals with that. About a thousand years after this, God himself comes down and sorts out the mess. And he hangs on a cross to sort out the mess. Um, so we know that prayer is answered and all nations get sorted at that one moment. So David prays this maybe a thousand years before the cross and there he is, God says, right, I'm doing it. Um, now, the next section is kind of the partly the chorus. It's, it, it's repeated similarly later on. Um, so let's just go through the next couple of verses if we can. They return at evening, snarling like dogs, and prowl about the city. See what they spew from their mouths. The words from their lips are sharp as swords, and they think, who can hear us? But you laugh at them, Lord. You scoff at all those nations. Now, a lot of people will say stuff when they don't think that they're going to get found out. Now, these soldiers were probably going around the town where this house was with Michael, slandering David, saying all sorts of bad things about him, saying what they wanted to, being very arrogant. I imagine they almost drunk, stupid, going around really arrogant, oh, a group of soldiers, we can take on one men. Oh, look at him, what a weakling, what this, that, the other. Look at what he's done. And saying all sorts of things. Um, and God laughs at them. And you scoff at all those nations. So it's actually all those people that spew this lies, this slanderous stuff about him and about his followers. But then I thought, hmm, what do I say when I think I'm not going to get found out? What do I say when I think no one else who I'm talking about is going to hear it at work? Do I ever say about a colleague to another colleague, oh, did you see what they did? I couldn't believe that. Oh, oh no, their work was rubbish. Oh, it was absolutely awful. And I'm meant to be a follower of Christ. Um, and actually, it really quite humbled me when I looked at this and I thought, yeah, I really need to watch my words a little bit more. We, um, skipping just slightly ahead, quite some way, to Matthew 5. Um, I'm just going to quickly pull this out of here. I haven't got it on the screen, so apologies for that. But Matthew 5, 11. It's a famous bit of the Bible called the Beatitudes. It's where Jesus says, Blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the. And near the end he says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And again, I thought, okay, I've not got every day someone shouting about me being a Christian and saying how bad I am and this, that, and the other. And probably most of us aren't in that situation. But actually, the media, um, the rest of the world, the non-Christians of this world do slander God's name. They do every day at work, and I know this annoys Stephanie a lot, use the Lord's name in vain. And more common, you know, if you say to them, oh, why don't you say Muhammad instead of Jesus Christ? They'll look at you as if you're mental. But actually, they, they don't consider that to be, you know, and actually they think, oh, no, that's offensive, you can't use that. And I was like, well, sorry, so is you. Oh, Jesus Christ. That is offensive. We should be offended by that. When people use that phrase, they are slandering our God. 
this massive God who can save and deliver them as well as us. And I'm not saying that we should go around bashing people with the Bible every time they say that word. But if you make it clear that it offends you and that actually you don't like it, you know what? You might face persecution. But it's a good thing. It just says, blessed are those who who are persecuted in my name. I think if you're not being persecuted, then maybe you're not being bold enough. And I'm not saying that's necessarily true. You might be being bold enough and you just happen to be getting off lightly. But actually, we will face persecution. It promises that in the New Testament. We will face persecution. And I sometimes know that I don't say something. I hold my tongue because I'm scared of the persecution. And I don't want to face that judgment from them. But who should I be more scared of? (laughs) God or them? Um, So this, this little section, and again, as I say, it's kind of repeated later on in the psalm. The tongue is a very, very powerful weapon. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. And I think we need to be more conscious of it. And we need to be more conscious of what we say as well as what those around us are saying. And you know what? Take offence. If someone says something, take offence. But let them know. And let them know that actually your God is offended by that. Yeah, you'll probably get laughed at. You'll probably get ridiculed. You'll probably get persecuted. But you'll be blessed. Because God promises you will. And I know it's not easy. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I do it all the time. I hold my tongue when I should say something. Um, But I think if David was around, you know, this is the guy who stood up to Goliath. He probably would have said, come on, you weakling. Pull your socks up, Matt. Say something. You know you should. Um, And yeah, it may be that we're also facing persecution already. If you are, good, you're blessed, well done. But you also need support. You need a God who can help you and save you through it. And he will. He hears our prayers. Um, We can't miss the way that David deals with this circumstance. He prays. This is a prayer. Prayer is our avenue to God. And he listens. He delivers us. He's already sent a saviour. You don't need to worry about that bit. But he can help you every day. And this is something that we need to, to learn from this prayer of David. And I just love the fact that God's reaction is that he laughs at them. You know, these people who can spew absolute hatred in the media to Christianity. And it's not that prevalent here. But if you're in a country that's controlled by ISIS, for example, I imagine they're not particularly big on praising God and saying how great Jesus is. Um, And they will spew hatred. They will kill people in the name of Jesus Christ. Or, sorry, because they believe in Jesus Christ. Um... And God finds them ridiculous. He thinks they are not even worthy of anything apart from ridicule. He laughs at them. Now, I'm not saying he laughs at what they do, because let's face it, it's not funny. He will judge them for what they are doing, and that is absolutely certain. And I'm not saying we should laugh at them, but we should treat them with the lack of respect they deserve um, and understand that those who slander God... They don't deserve our time. They just deserve our ridicule. They're, they, they're, they're not worth worrying about. You laugh at them, Lord, so we should too. And the reason is this verse. And verse 9 is the same as verse 17, or very, very similar. So the, this is the middle of the, the psalm, and then verse 17 is the end. And it says, You are my strength. I watch for you. You, God, are my fortress. Can you just move on, Stephanie? Because I think there's a little bit more. No, okay. But anyway... That's the theme of the whole psalm. 
you, God, are my strength. You're my fortress. You're my stronghold. And that is the middle of the, the psalm and the end of the psalm, and for good reason. So, my God on whom I can rely. God will go before me and, I, and will let me gloat over those who slander me. Now, again, Christians shouldn't necessarily gloat. I'm not saying that for a second. I don't actually think that's what David's saying. I think what he's saying is that because of God, I can stand over these people and know that I'm right. And that's not the same as gloating. And I think that's probably a slight mistranslation from the original language. But basically it's, I can stand knowing that I'm right, I'm righteous, I'm in line with God. And actually, these people I can rightfully look down on and say, you know what, I almost pity you. You've got it wrong. You need to sort yourself out. There's only one thing that can deliver you and that can make you strong. And it's not your words of drunkenness and your arrogance. It's God. And then, I love this. So he's just said, rouse rouse your anger against them, destroy the nations, and then he's gone. But do not kill them. And I think that, for me, shows how great David was. Um, he, he doesn't want to become as bad as them. Because actually, if God answers David's prayer and kills all these people, David might think, oh, that's kind of my fault. And actually, I've asked for these people to be killed, therefore I'm kind of guilty of murder, and that actually makes me wrong with God, and therefore this. He... He holds himself and goes, ah, yeah, but but don't actually kill them. Lord, our shield, all my people will forget. Because actually, if he just did away with them, more people would rise in their way, in their place. But what he's saying is actually uproot them. And I think that's brilliant. Because when you're arrogant, when you're going around saying this, that, and the other, you feel really strong, like a mighty trees how you picture it just you know the arrogance of some people they're so convinced they're right that you cannot move them god can uproot them like that he can take their arrogance in a snap and that's it uproot them bam no tree will will stand if it's uprooted no tree and it's great that actually the the lesson that david wants these people to learn is not the fact that david's bigger than them it's that God's bigger than them. David can't uproot them, but God can. And actually, he wants that so that no one will forget. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, surprise, surprise, the Israelites forget. <laughs> they forget again and again and again. They have the worst memory ever. But actually, they're just like us. We have a really, really poor memory when it comes to God. This is the God that can uproot. This is the God that can strengthen and give root to those people who need it in the right places. But actually, let's be part of David's people and not forget. This is what David wanted for his people, for them to not forget. And what do you want them to not forget? That God is in charge. That's all. Not that he's a good escape artist, that he can run away from Saul lots of times. And if you know anything about David, that's what he does and he's very good at it. But the thing that he wants them to not forget is that the Lord is our shield and that he's merciful and that he has the power to uproot those who ridicule him. And that's a great lesson for us. Can you move on to the next, Stephanie? Thank you. For the sins of their mouths, for the words of their lips, let them be caught in their pride. For the curses and lies they utter, consume them in your wrath. Consume them till they are no more. 
Then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. So again, this is kind of like the previous verse in some respects where it was all about what comes out of your mouth. The sins of their mouths and the words of their lips. So he wants them to be seen for what they are. Empty words from arrogant idiots who don't have anything to back up their words. Um, it's it's difficult when you're in a when you're in a situation where you're being attacked, where you're struggling, where you actually have people persecuting you. Um, to pray kind of nice things for them, and David doesn't here really. He doesn't pray nice things for them at all. Um, but he does pray for them to stop. And we can absolutely pray for whoever's persecuting us to stop. Um, so long as it's for the right motivation. And that last bit of verse 13, then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. That's really what our motivation should be in praying for sort of ending of persecution is actually for the glory of God. Um, now, we, we, when we move on, we'll actually see that God has a response so as hurtful as these words can be, especially when the kind of words are from people that maybe we love and care about, maybe it's our family who don't know God and they're the ones that are persecuting us or calling us stupid or whatever. Um, I think David just sees God in such a different light and just says, you know, I know they're going to be held accountable for it and for those words, but I want them to know you. And that should be our prayer, that these people come to know to the ends of the earth that God rules, not over Jacob. Change, change that word there for your name. Actually, we are all part of the family of Jacob because we um, have followed Jesus Christ. But it's, it's really important that when we're facing these persecutions and difficult times, that our motivation is right. And it's not just, oh, God, stop the persecution. It's God, stop the persecution so that they can see you. Bring them to know you, and then the persecution stops anyway. But more importantly, let them know that you are God. Um, could you just move on, Stephanie? And again, this is very similar to the previous bit, talking about them like dogs. Um, they return at evening, snarling like dogs, and prowl about the city. They wander about for food and howl if not satisfied. And this bit, again, is kind of repeating what was said before, so I'm not going to repeat what I said before. But the thing that really struck me about this, and what was in the previous bit, but I'm not going to ask us to go back because Song Pro is very dodgy with this sort of thing. Notice it says, they do this, they do this, but I will do this. That, for me, really stuck out from this psalm. Um, and then, actually on the previous bit it said they do this they do this but god you do this and it just shows that this is not a not a war not a battle that's not right but there are two sides there are two types of people them and us and i'm not saying for a second that therefore we should remain entirely segregated and never ever um, spend time with people who don't believe in jesus absolutely not but we need to understand that we are set apart that yes, they may be doing this, they may be doing this, but I'm not going to, I'm going to do this. And it, it really struck me that 
it would have been so easy for David, who is a soldier, who was a, a mighty warrior, to go out and face these people and try and do it in his own strength. But that's doing what they were doing. What he does is sings, <laughs> and sings about God. What a great reaction to when people are trying to kill you, what are you going to do? I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing to God. And it's an incredible thing. It's so contrary to what would have been expected of David, this warrior. And it's just fantastic that he goes, you know what? They're like this. Not me. Not me. I'm different. And I am going to be different. And I am going to sing and I'm going to sing to God. And I'm going to praise his name. And in the morning I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. And you know what? No matter where you are in life, if you can sing to God of his love, you can't go too far wrong. And the last verse, which as I said is basically the same as verse 9. Can you just move it on? You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress. My God, on whom I can rely. That's basically the preach. If you take nothing away from today apart from that one line, then remember Psalm 59 verse 17. You're my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress. My God on whom I can rely. Who's that about? It's not about us or how we behave, really. It's not about them, the people out there persecuting. It's all about God. And it's saying, God, I know your character. You're strong. You're my fortress. You are worthy of praise. And with the previous verse, I know your love. And I will sing of your love. And actually, I can rely on you. I, I used to refer to myself when I was a teenager. I was a Christian from the age of eight. But during my teenage years, I treated God as a doctor. So I was fine for most of the time. But when I got unhealthy, I needed to go and see a doctor. So... I was fine until I started feeling bad about the way I was living my life. And then I would go and see God. I would happily go out drinking, underage, trying to get girlfriends, do this, that and the other, doing all sorts of things. Because I was fine, you know, I was relying on my own strength and it was fine. Uh, but when something went bad, oh, where did I turn? Oh, I'm going to turn back to God. Yeah, but thankfully, I've learned that that's not the way to live your life. Um He's a God you can rely on. It should be your first port of call, not your last. He should be the place you go to immediately and continually, not just as a last resort when you're feeling like someone's attacking you with swords. And he will defend your cause because your cause is him. David had confidence that God will stand behind him and give him assistance because as God had done it in the past for him. What's God done in the past for you? He stood with his arms wide open on a cross, dying for you. But he's done that. He, he can do anything he wants now, can't he? Let's face it. He has paid the ultimate sacrifice. It's not like he's not going to help you now. You can rely on him. It's one way to be able to get through the hard times, by reminding ourselves that God has helped us in the past. He's not only helped us, he's absolutely saved us. He's done everything that's possible that we will ever need so that we can have eternal life with him. He's adopted us as children. He's given us inheritance and an eternal life. Do you think he's going to go, oh yeah, but I'm not going to give them a little bit of help because someone's persecuting them or they're struggling with something? Of course he's not. He loves us as children. Kenny, if your kids 
were really str- I'm not saying they just wanted something because if they just want something yeah pff, they're probably not going to get it but if they really really desperately needed something if they were starving and had no food you'd give them food right of course you would any parent would and <laughs> that doesn't mean you get all the presents you want um, but you love your children but Kenny as much as you love your kids you don't love them as much as God loves you I hope you understand that God loves us more than anyone can ever love any other person. And therefore, we've got to remember that we can rely on him, that he is our strength, and that we can sing to him. And it's one of the best responses. And this is why I love the Psalms. There's 150 Psalms. It's the longest book in the Bible. For good reason. We should sing to God and praise him. Um, he's worthy of it. He loves it. You know what? When we sing and dance like we were doing earlier, brilliant absolutely brilliant it's great for us and we feel good about it and that's partly why he loves it so much but actually it's what we'll be doing for eternity we'll be up there singing our hearts out and praising god and saying you are worthy the lamb of god for what you have done and you know what that'll do let's sing <laughs>